Mr. Putin, what do you think about the two journalists investigating the story of your birth, biological mother and childhood? What journalists? Well, Artyom Borovich and Antonio Russo, they're working on a documentary. They were working on a documentary. My condolences to their families. <laughs> Hello, Sandra, and welcome to all of our growing number of listeners. Yes, we want the new people to like us and follow us wherever they listen to us. So yes, new people, we're happy to have you here. And welcome back to the people who are already following Dubious and listening to us each week. Thank you guys for being with us again today. We love you all. But we don't really love this guy who won't leave the headlines alone. We've been talking about Vladimir Putin for a month now. And the more we look into him and his life story, the crazier it gets. Yes, that's going to be part of today's conversation. We have had such a difficult time talking about the horrific things he's been doing that today I'm quite excited that we don't have to talk about the suffering he's causing to others. If I had to describe our Ukraine episodes, the genre would be tragedy. They are mostly uh, Sandra crying about dead civilians and suffering dogs, and me talking about bombs and artillery, it's depressing, to be honest. Yes, but today we won't talk about war crimes, thank the universe. In this episode, we're going to talk about Putin's childhood, the controversy surrounding his life story, and his real place of birth, which, spoiler alert, might not be Russia. So, we're going to cover both the official biography disseminated by the Kremlin and Putin himself, but we'll also get into the even more interesting and seemingly plausible valid alternative story, which does poke some massive holes in the official version of Putin's early years. We're going to discuss his parents, his late brothers, how his mother allegedly almost starved to death, how his little brother actually did die of starvation, his grandparents, we're going to go over all kinds of interesting facts and analyze the events that shaped Putin into who he is today. We'll probably also talk about many more other things that will pop up in our brains while recording this, as we generally do. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be some digressions. That's my job. So let's start with Putin's early life. His autobiography says he was born in 1952 in Leningrad, uh, now St. Petersburg, to working class parents of even more working class grandparents. There were no silver spoons here. His grandfather was a cook, albeit one he claims was assigned to cook for both Lenin and Stalin as a private chef at some point. But his parents were a factory worker in the case of his mother, and his father was an enlisted man in the Soviet Navy. Uh, Vladimir Spiridonovich Putin and Maria Putina, his parents, had two more children, both boys, but they died before Putin was born. Albert, born in the 1930s. Uh, died in infancy, and Victor uh, was born in 1940, but he died of diphtheria and starvation in 1942 during the siege of Leningrad uh, when the Nazis were invading Russia. And his maternal uncles both disappeared somewhere on the Eastern Front as well. He says his father was at some point assigned to the NKVD, which is the precursor to the KGB. 
By all indication, his father's shot at moving up the ladder in the army did not go very well because he was assigned back to a regular army unit and wounded in 1942. And I suppose we should postscript this by saying whether all of this is true or not, it's safe to say he did suffer more tragedy as a child than most people. Yes, I think we'll be able to explain some of Putin's methods and obsessions as an adult by looking at his childhood. If you want to know a person, how their mind works, what they're going to do next, all you have to do is zoom in on their childhood and formative years. The death of his brother and grandmother at the hand of the Nazis basically might explain this concept he concocted, the quote-unquote denazification of Ukraine. I don't think he's delusional. And I don't think he thinks he's really denazifying Ukraine. I think he just believes it's a good pretext and a good story that people in Russia, especially the older generation who lived through what he did as a child, will identify with and will give him their full support. Sure, politicians lie, whether they actually win elections or have them rigged in their favor. They aren't going to tell people the truth unless the truth is a better story than what a contracted writer can write for them. So, in any case, it's doubtful that Putin had a happy childhood with a completely intact family, unscarred by World War II. Millions of Russians died fighting the Nazis. Millions more died in the years around the time of Putin's birth because the Soviets were exporting food to Western Europe, which they could not afford to export, leading to mass starvations within Russia and the satellite countries they had assumed control over. Ukraine being the most prominent one. About Putin not having a happy childhood, I found something that caught my interest. In her memoir, Hard Choices, Hillary Clinton shares a story Putin told her about this time in his life. This is what she wrote. He launched into a story about his parents that I had never heard or read about. During the war, Putin's father came home from the front lines for a short break. When he approached the apartment where he lived with his wife, he saw a pile of bodies stacked in the street and men loading them into a waiting flatbed truck. As he drew nearer, he saw a woman's legs wearing shoes that he recognized as his wife's. He ran up and demanded his wife's body. After an argument, the men gave in and Putin's father took his wife in his arms and after examining her, realized she was still alive. He carried her up to their apartment and nursed her back to health. Eight years later, in 1952, their son Vladimir was born. Now, Hillary Clinton recounted the tale to the then U.S. ambassador to Russia, Michael McFall. He said, too, that he had never heard this story before. Hillary Clinton points out that, obviously, I have no way to verify Putin's story, but I've thought about it often. For me, it sheds some light on the man he has become and the country he governs. Yeah, there's a similar story in his autobiography. In that story... He says his father was at the war front and not with his mother. He says that his father was in the battlefield the whole time, direct quote, and did not get a chance to look for her. He said that his uncle helped her and the uncle would feed her out of his own rations. There was a time when he was transferred somewhere for a while and she was on the verge of starvation. Once my mother fainted from hunger... And people thought she had died, and they laid her out with the corpses. But luckily, Mama woke up and in time started moaning. By some miracle, she lived, and they made it through the entire blockade of Leningrad. They didn't get her out until the danger was passed, end quote. This sounds 
over-dramatized to me, like a story someone makes up for their autobiography. And again, I don't think he had a happy childhood. He probably did not, but I don't buy the story. I think there's more likely a chain of events from his childhood that he would like people not to know. Yes, Putin also shares a story about his father. According to his version of events, his dad shared his meager rations with his starving wife when he was hospitalized after being injured. This is what Putin says, quote, My father managed to survive. He spent several months in the hospital. My mother found him there. She came to see him every day. Mama herself was half dead. My father saw the shape she was in and began to give her his own food, hiding it from the nurses. To be sure, they caught on pretty quickly and put a stop to it. The doctors noticed that he was fainting from hunger. When they figured out why, they gave him a stern lecture and wouldn't let Mama in to see him for a while. The upshot was that they both survived. Only my father's injuries left him with a lifelong limp, Putin wrote. So, which story is true, we'll never know. But as Neil pointed out, Putin couldn't have had a very happy, carefree childhood. So, we should talk about Soviet food policies, pre- and post-World War II. That's relevant here. I would guess most people have heard the term Holodomor before. The term applies to a famine created in Moldova and Ukraine in the 1930s by Stalin's government. The Soviets decided that they needed to industrialize and get away from being a predominantly agrarian economy. And their plan for accomplishing this was not rocket science. They simply fed people who worked in industrial jobs more and fed people who worked in farming jobs less. Every attempt by people suffering from hunger to escape was met with retribution. They implemented internal passports, for example, to stop people from moving out of hunger-ridden areas. They took more food away from villages that did not meet grain production quotas. And they increased bread prices, but not the wages to match. The number of dead are disputed, but on the low end, 3 million Ukrainians and Moldovans died of starvation or hunger-related illnesses during this period. Around the time of Putin's birth in the early 1950s, the same sort of widespread hunger spread throughout uh, the Russian core territory. Stalin was still in charge at that time, and at the same time the Soviet citizens were starving, The party was, again, exporting food they should have been feeding their own people with to Western European countries who didn't have enough food after the war either. All of this was basically for show. Stalin was competing with America for favor in Central and Eastern Europe, and he was happy to starve Russians if it meant making political and strategic allies. So essentially, the idea of... Socialist utopia died with Lenin and Trotsky. Putin is a continuation of Stalin. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know what I always say, right? You can ignore your trauma and hope it disappears, but the only way forward is to deal with it. Life keeps throwing curveballs at all of us. Fireballs, speedballs, too many (laughs) balls. And when you're overwhelmed, you're not at your best and it affects your interactions with the people you care about. So how do you deal with it all? Call your therapist like I do. Yes, dupe friends, I'm a BetterHelp happy customer. I've been using their services since way before we even started this podcast. 
I can attest to the fact that Sandra is, uh, shall we say, a much lovelier person to be around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. Also, my therapist will love hearing that. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's affordable, it's flexible, and most importantly, it's entirely online. And you'll get 10% off of your first month if you sign up at betterhelp.com dubious, or just click that link in the episode notes. Yes, and then you can talk to your therapist whenever and however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. So do yourself a favor, take care of your mental health, because when you feel empowered, you are prepared to take on everything life throws at you. Visit BetterHelp.com dubious to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash dubious. I wonder if Putin listens to podcasts. I think he'd enjoy ours, maybe even become a patron until he got to the episodes about him. Then he'd novichok us, <laughs> probably call us bugs, pests, flies first, you know, the stuff he calls everyone he hates. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, Putin has a rat story. Yes, and again, this is a story Putin himself has been telling, but each time the story was a bit different. The main elements are the same, though. The way Vladimir Putin tells it, one of his greatest teachers in life was a rat. As a, <laughs> <laughs> As a boy in Leningrad, he used to chase rats. He once chased a particularly fat one down the hallway of his apartment building. Cornered, the squealing creature turned on young Putin and tried to bite him. Terrified, the boy fled into his parents' apartment, slamming the door in the rat's face. He said he learned a very important lesson. Never put someone's back against the wall, because you don't know what a desperate, cornered person will do. See, this is why I think the rat story is important, and why I think Putin's mental state is not what it used to be. His health in general is in bad shape, as we discussed in the Putin is dying episode. Because if he had learned the rat lesson, as he says, he would have never tried to back Ukraine into a corner. Not like this, not with this level of savagery. The Ukrainians, cornered by the world's fifth largest army, are putting up a surprisingly tenacious fight. The rat story does not seem to me very much more believable than his mother alive in a pile of starved corpses. But it seems like as an adolescent, uh, he was involved with low-level street gangs to some degree. So there's some truth to his having a rough upbringing. It's a great idea to give a street guy with gold chains and tracksuits nuclear rockets, yes? <laughs> Very true. Not a great idea. But I still think he wouldn't start World War III. He's, he's evil, not stupid. There is a duality to him in a way. Look, he was actually part of a gang in Leningrad, yes, and he got in trouble often, and this is an experience that helped him understand how the thugs and criminal mind works. Uh, he did learn his lessons there, and then he later, and even now, has extremely close ties to the Russian mob. In fact, they do work hand in hand. The thing that street gang guys and former Soviet bosses have in common is so much of their power comes from perception. They are as much managing an image as they are directly controlling people. 
Fear and respect, just like our boy Michael Corleone, as we keep saying about this guy. <laughs> yes, and his duality that I think he has, you know, allows him to be or to seem rash, but he's also very methodical and disciplined in a way. For example, it was judo that got him out of the street gang lifestyle and put him on the right path, or at least a better path than becoming a loan shark or thief and live his life in Leningrad as part of the society's city underbelly. Should we have talked about Don Corleone's cat in the pets episode? <laughs> yeah, when we were all kids in America, we grew up on those gangster movies. And apparently the Soviet version of these movies was called The Shield and the Sword. And it's about a KGB guy who infiltrates the SS and uses his status within it to find sympathetic Germans who he helps form resistance movements against the Nazis. But what's telling here is not that Putin apparently loved this movie, but that he loved it more than any others from the same era. I got to read between lines. This is what I do. I want to make it clear, first of all, that the Soviets were not completely incompetent in terms of filmmakers. And Andrei Tarkovsky, in particular, has made some great films. Off the top of my head, one of my list of the great films of all time is called Solaris. It's based on a Polish novel from the early 1960s. There's a reboot of it from the early 2000s in English with George Clooney in it, if people want to watch a Western version. It's a fantastic film, really, both the new version and Tarkovsky's version. But it's a science fiction story about cosmonauts finding a planet that, in a psychological way, gives people nearby exactly what they want in order to entrap them. And that's a very kind of political capitalism critique undertone, but it's very subtle and very well done. And the fact that Putin loves a KGB hagiography, but does not mention Solaris, which was made at about the same time, speaks volumes without saying a word. There are basically two factions in the Soviet era. Um, prior to the time that Gorbachev kind of decided to retreat and let the socialist project go. And there's the Stalin faction and the Lenin-Trotsky faction. And as I mentioned before, Putin is an extension of the Stalin faction. Uh, even as a child, it seemed like if he liked the sword and the shield more than Solaris, that's red flag, folks. Don't make friends with Putin. Imagine if only Putin hadn't gone to the movies that day, the world would be a much better place. And true, the shield and the sword had a great influence on him. Putin even talked about the effect this movie had on him. He said he was impressed that, I quote, one man's effort could achieve what whole armies could not. One spy could decide the fate of thousands of people. So there's another story out there, speaking of stories, not from Putin, but very credible, I think, that might be the true story of Putin's origins. And it's not from Russia, it's from Georgia. Exactly. According to this story, Putin was actually born in Georgia, not the US state, the Eastern European country. And I tend to believe this is the truth, not the official biography Putin disseminated through the Kremlin propaganda machine over the years. 
There is a woman named Vera Nikolaevna Putina. She lives in Meteki, a small village near Gori in Georgia. Since 1999, she has been saying that she is Putin's birth mother. Her claims clash with Putin's official biography, which states that Putin's parents died before he became president. So Vera Putina claims she is Putin's biological mother and says that Putin's biological father is a Russian mechanic, Platon Privalov, who got Vera pregnant while he was married to another woman. Vera says her son, nicknamed Vova, was born on October 7, 1950, exactly two years before Putin's official birth date. Now, she might be simply wrong or part of a campaign to undermine Putin, but the story really pinpoints the holes in the version of Putin's past we've all been given over the years. Yeah, there's not a lot in his biography about his first 10 years which doesn't really match up with these very detailed stories about his mother almost starving to death and being saved by the uncle around the same time. There's a lack of consistency in this story, and I think he had it written for himself. Yes. Moreover, Vladimir Putin was registered at Meteki School in 1959. The records journalists were able to dig up show that his stated nationality is Georgian. So the story from the woman who claims to be his mother in Georgia is that she married a Georgian soldier when he was a boy. And the stepfather didn't want the boy around and pressured her to send him to live with grandparents in Russia in 1960. She even had the cute nickname for him, which was confirmed by a schoolteacher that also remembered him being called Vova. I have to say, all of this seems very plausible to me based on his behavior, and I'm really baffled that it didn't cross my mind before, because my own father was abandoned as an infant, and he didn't invade Ukraine or murder hundreds of thousands of Chechens or anything like that, but the compulsive behaviors are similar in a lot of ways. And giving away money and other valuable things to buy favor with people and disregard for your own family in favor of a sort of performance for friends and business associates and obsession with maintaining a public image to try to control people with. It's all the same. It's all in there. Yes, unfortunately, childhood trauma and abandonment can affect behavior patterns later in life, and that seems to be the case with Putin as well. And back to the story, in 1999, Vera spotted Putin on television as he was Russia's prime minister at the time and started telling anyone who would listen that that's her son. When asked how she recognized him from the boy she had last seen, age 10, she said, do you think I would not recognize my son? She says that Russian and Georgian people immediately after visited her uh, in her village to pressure her to remain silent. And the story was corroborated by Shura Gabinashvili, a former Russian teacher of the village school in Meteki. She says she taught Russian language classes between 1958 and 1960, and Putin was her student. And she has received death threats about making these claims public as well. So she remembers Putin by the same pet name Vera, his alleged biological mother, uses too, Vova. Yeah, the teacher recalls he was, quote, an extremely bright child, the brightest in the class. He loved Russian fables and Russian was his favorite subject. He also liked fishing and wrestling and he was the shortest child in the class 
but he always wanted to win at everything. Little Napoleon syndrome. <laughs> I mean, other than the wrestling and being the shortest kid in the class, she could be writing this about me uh, <laughs> rather than Vladimir Putin. It's like she's reading my father and I, our own traumatic issues subconsciously projected from one of us to the other. Okay. Now, look, Vera Putina says she is ready to do DNA tests to prove that she is indeed Putin's mom. No need. I really already believe her, and there's a, another reason why. Russian journalist Artyom Borovik's plane crash coincided with the documentary he was making about Putin's childhood, including a report about Vera Putina and... Italian journalist Antonio Russo, who was also interested in Vera Putina's story, was murdered. He was also investigating Putin's war crimes in Chechnya, which we talked about in a previous episode. So I think there's enough here to call all of this likely true. Agreed. And look, there's another element here that makes me question things. As we discussed in Putin's Rise to Power Part 1, one of our premium episodes, Putin had his mentor killed, the one person that helped him most, right before he became president in 1999, as the guy was talking too much about their common past in St. Petersburg City Hall, about some stuff Putin didn't want out there, so Putin doesn't like loose ends. And both of his Leningrad parents, his adoptive parents, died of cancer, his mother in 1998 and his father in 1999, right before he became president. And I mean, yeah, he has a penchant for poison, and you could dose polonium to fit a timeline if you were so inclined. I don't buy spouses getting cancer at the same time either. It's not like cancer is contagious. Exactly. So who's to say his adoptive parents didn't get the old Litvinenko special? <laughs> Yes, and look, some people might ask, well, why didn't he kill this lady then if she's such a problem for him and he has the means to do it? Simple. If anything had happened to Vera Putina, it would have been the ultimate confirmation for the entire world that indeed she is his biological mother. It would have been front page news would have actually legitimized her claim. And if Vera Putina's story is to be believed, Putin's Georgian link has echoes of Joseph Stalin's upbringing. Stalin was raised in Gori and physically abused by his mother's alcoholic husband. Bullies create bullies, and it could also explain the birtherism, disinformation nonsense that we've seen happening here in the US too, because people say and do things based on their life experiences. They act and they do stuff based on what happened to them and how they would perceive a secret like this would affect them. So they project that and imagine how it would affect an opponent, even if it isn't true in the opponent's case. So again, it tracks. Yep. If you want to know who people are, look at their childhood trauma. It'll tell you more about them than they could ever tell you from their conscious mind. It's key to who they become, what they do, how they think, how they act, and how they're going to raise their own children, what kind of leader they will become if they choose to get into politics, I suppose most importantly, and how they'll behave if they get political power. Yes, by all accounts, and no matter which version of his life story is true, 
It seems Putin didn't have a happy childhood, but in my opinion that still doesn't fully explain the person he became and it doesn't excuse the horrors he has been inflicting on innocents in Ukraine, Chechnya, Syria and Russia too. So many journalists, opposition leaders and activists were murdered and some even on foreign soil in really brazen acts using chemical weapons and nerve agents. And if in the beginning of his career he used money and favors to climb the power ladder, as soon as he was on top the situation changed 180 degrees and he became greedy and is now one of the richest people in the world. We'll discuss his wealth in a future episode for sure. And this compulsion of acquiring a lot in terms of, well, everything could also be caused by the way he experienced his first years in life in a poor rural area with an alcoholic stepfather who did hit him and in an environment which involves spousal abuse too in Meteki, Georgia. I have to admit, I do believe that he was indeed born in Georgia and Vera Putinized his real mother simply because of the fact that the two journalists investigating this story suddenly died in mysterious circumstances. It tracks, it's his MO. And his Leningrad adoptive parents suddenly died of cancer too, both of them right before Putin became president. And I find this quite funny. In the official biography, he did make himself two years younger. Again, see this image of young and strong, this idea of projecting a perfect public image of this young stud riding horses shirtless, this megalomania, it tracks. It's 100% Putin. Also, we all noticed how he usually accuses the West or Western leaders of the things he is doing or planning to do, like he did with the chemical weapons in Ukraine. And then reports of an agent similar to Sarin came out of Mariupol. So the disinformation half of the US believed the Obama is not born in America BS also tracks. People act based on their life experiences and Putin used his own story and projected that lie onto an American presidential candidate and then president. And now the West is wondering if Putin is not disturbed or concerned by the fact that all civilized countries will treat him as a pariah. Well, no, he's not. He does not care about being or not being a pariah. All he cares for is staying in power. And on the power note, I'm going to go ahead and do our book recommendations for this episode. And I want to mention here that we do not have any deals or incentives to recommend these books. On Dubious, we only recommend books we actually like. The first book this episode is From Russia with Blood, The Kremlin's Ruthless Assassination Program and Vladimir Putin's Secret War on the West by Heidi Blake. It is an exceptional read. Well, I actually listened to it on Audible as I'm trying to give my eyes a rest, but this book is so good you'll read it twice. It puts everything into perspective, it explains Putin's MO and why he does the things he does, how he does them, and more importantly, it shows the length to which he is willing to go to consolidate power. The second book is called The New Nobility, The Restoration of Russia's Security State and the Enduring Legacy of the KGB by Andrei Soldatov and Irina Borogan. This book is like salt to food. You need it. You need it. It's a book you don't want to miss if you're looking to understand how Putin's Russia works. The New Nobility explains how the security services have played a central role at key turning points in Russia. It covers the Moscow apartment bombings, the theater hostage crisis, the war in Chechnya, and the Beslan massacre too. The security services, you know, they are not all powerful. There were missteps, but they have made a remarkable return to power, abetted by their most famous alumni 
Donald Putin. And the FSB, SVR, and GRU are controlling Russia now with Putin at the helm. So highly recommend this book, you guys. So, so good. The New Nobility. That's it. These are my book recommendations for this episode. And if you like us, a five stars rating and maybe even a review, if you have a moment, would be really helpful. We are at DubiousPod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And we have cool episode graphics there. That's it. See you guys next time.